the blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back, objects in your mirror are closer than they appear. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, video games, comics, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me this week is co-host Dean. Dean, I think I'm still recovering from our 50th. What about you? I know. I was I was thinking the same thing. That was just... Uh, it feels like it was so long ago just because it was so huge. I realize it was just last week, but... We really... Uh dug our heels into the drinking in that one yeah right yeah i haven't i haven't woken up since then this is the first day i've been able to get out of bed uh that's right yeah Yeah. i've I've been up before but you i know you just got up this morning yeah how are you uh i'm good tim i have uh i have a new haircut and i'm loving it really yeah that's great i buzzed i buzzed the head that's refreshing it is it is refreshing yeah yeah, my head is usually buzzed. Your head's my always, face, yeah. My face is not buzzed. No, it's long. You got long it's beard going, today. Doing long beard, yeah. yeah. It's good. It's it's dark. You can, <laughs> you can get lost in it. If you just stare at it, you kind of get lost of like, yeah. where does the hair end and the neck I, begin? I think I've got one or two grays in there. Okay, yeah. So It's pretty that's... dark still. I don't really see oh, the no, grays. It, it, yeah. It's pretty dark. Yeah, you yeah. can't really see them. Well... I know that you are not in studio with me today. We're doing this remotely. That's correct. But you'd be happy to know that as the seasons turn, the studio is hot and muggy. Excellent, Tim. Deathly hot and muggy. It was very, very hot today. We've got a rainstorm rolling in right now, and it's all muggy and wet and sticky, and I'm already sweaty. I love it, Tim. Yeah, I, it's perfect. I know you miss that. I know you miss it. I do miss it. That's that's what I love about the studio is those hot, hot recordings. Just great memories. Sweating buckets. Yeah, we came up with like probably some of our greatest points for sure on the podcast in those in those those nights where we were up here and it was like 150 degrees in this studio, and we were going delirious. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. You go delirious and you start coming up with the best things you've ever thought of before. Yeah, that's that's when we do our best work. Yeah, greatest ideas in the heat. Yeah, yeah so I'm probably going to be on point this episode yeah. as the heat slowly starts to to sink in. I got AC in my studio, so I'm oh. I'm going to be horrible today. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> so bad. It's really going to, the studio heat's really going to suit this episode though. The topic for this, for this week is really going to, really going to work. So I'm kind of digging it. I actually hope that, you know, we get a little thunder in the background to uh, create some atmosphere in this episode. We'll see. Fingers are crossed. Yeah, it would be great. I mean, they got it in the movie we're going to talk about. They had a little Mm. storm they had to deal with. So that's right. What else? Anything else? uh about before we get into it um nah let's just get into the dentist oh no i didn't go to the dentist thank goodness i'm kind of done with the dentist i don't think i'll ever go again that's good yeah i uh unfortunately have not fixed your bobblehead yet oh okay so the head is still off the body so tim this is kind of why i buzzed my head because i was thinking 
why didn't my head fall off when the bobblehead's head fell off? And I was thinking because of my hair. My hair is different. The bobblehead has the buzz cut. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to buzz my head. Wait, how does that make sense? Well, I got to commit to the bit. Okay. Yeah. So I, you're you're making yourself look more like the bobblehead. Yeah, for the comedy. I got to commit to the bit. Perfect. That's great then. So now you'll that. fix the head and everything will be good. Yeah. One day I will fix it. Yeah. I promise. So this week we're doing something new on Talking Back. We sent out a request on Instagram for suggestions for topics that the listeners might like to hear us talk about. And we didn't commit to anything. We said, basically, send us some ideas. If it's stuff that we like as well, we'll talk about it because we don't really talk about stuff we don't like. We will, though. We, I would like to start you know, eventually talking about some things we don't like as well. Sure. Could be fun. But we sent out the poll and the listeners have spoken, Dean, and they want to hear us talk about Jurassic Park. Now, I know this is this is like in your top 10. Oh, yeah. That, oh, correct? yeah. Yeah. You're a huge fan of this movie. Huge fan. That works for me. It's uh, it's slotted in my number eight right now. I have a uh, I have a top 50 list going on and it's it's in number eight. Perfect. Yeah, I'm not as big a fan. I actually up until watching it for this this episode, I'd seen it two times, I think. OK, one one when it came out and then once again, maybe 10 years later. So I had feelings about it, but. Uh, the rewatch was really, really great. I really enjoyed oh, the rewatch uh, to kind of to clarify some things for me. And, you know, I still understand what I might not like about it. And we can get into that. But uh, definitely enjoy this movie. I love dinosaurs. Perfect. I think this is probably the best dinosaur movie that I've seen. I haven't seen a lot of the other Jurassic Parks, but tough to beat this one. Oh, they are. They don't come close. So thank you to our instagram followers for engaging in that and we'll probably do it again so don't be afraid to comment or you know what even just send us a message email us at we're talkbackpod at gmail.com email your ideas to us if we like them we'll probably do one if we think it's a funny idea we'll probably do it um have you set that email address up yet dean uh no i have not i thought that was you you're the one who always says it so i thought you were setting it up that. We'll we'll still get that set up. Okay. Send your emails there. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get that we'll get that going. Uh, okay, so Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park. Uh, Tim, I am so pumped. I'm so pumped that the listeners chose this. I know it seems seems interesting. They must have heard us talk about this on a previous episode. I know that we've mentioned your love for it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just it, this is a great fit for you. I'm I'm happy that it got it got selected. But this movie released in 1993. $63 million budget grosses over $1 billion. Correct, Tim. And that is a payback. That is a payback, Tim. And I, I will just say, because I looked into this a bit, um, it's $1 billion total. And that yeah. was including a re-release in 2013. Okay. So it actually made 912 in 1993. Because I was looking into... What was the first movie to cross a billion? And it wasn't Jurassic Park. So I was really confused. Oh, and that's why. It was it was like the 13th to cross a billion because it didn't happen until 2013. But 912 in 1993. Mm-hmm. Just, just fine. That's a, that's a good one. All right, Dean. Picture this. It's 1989. 
and Steven Spielberg is chatting with Michael Crichton about a screenplay that would eventually become the TV show ER. But the conversation takes a turn to an idea that Michael Crichton, screenplay writer, has about a graduate student who recreates a dinosaur. Now, Spielberg is fascinated by the idea because he sees it as a really credible look at how dinosaurs might someday be brought back alongside modern mankind. Cool. So Universal Studios acquires the Jurassic Park film rights for Spielberg. Now, Spielberg has the idea for Schindler's List at this time, yeah. but Universal gives him the green light to do Schindler's List on the one condition that he first films Jurassic Park. So Spielberg agrees, and he says basically what he's going to do with Jurassic Park is just try to make a good sequel to Jaws on land. Cool. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, definitely. That would uh, that tickles my fancy. If um, anybody out there doesn't know Jaws, the original Jaws is my favorite movie of all time, my number one. Now, Spielberg brings in Stan Winston, who works on visual effects to create the animatronic dinosaurs. Now, Winston, excellent, excellent portfolio. He's worked on The Thing. He created the exoskeleton from Terminator. He worked on Aliens. He worked on Predator 1 and 2. So, boom, nailed it. Stand-up guy. Or stand-up guy. Stand-up guy. Yeah. Love it. ILM is brought in to do the CGI for the movie. They mostly only need to use CGI for the full body and fast movement dino shots. Now, out of this like little over two hour runtime, it shocked me. I don't know if it'll shock you. There's only roughly six minutes of CGI in the entire film. That is that is shocking. Um, I had done a little research as well. And right before my final watch is when I learned this fact and watching it that final time, I was like, oh, yeah, like the CGI is not really heavy in this movie. No. Yeah. When I watched it again here, I was thinking, OK, let's see how this let's see how the CGI holds up. Cool. And then I was watching it like, holy balls, there isn't a lot in here. Like most of this is animatronics and i was kind of blown away that obviously helps it you know stand the test of time yeah because it's not cgi which would have been dated you know the cgi that you see is dated well in this movie i would say only at times there's parts that it is incredible and i think mainly with like t-rex and raptors which are like like the big pieces to the movie um so like Brachiosaurus, you know, not so great, but T-Rex and Raptors are perfect. Yeah, I, but I mean, even T-Rex and Raptors, they had animatronics for, right? So yeah, but a lot of those shots are true, you know, those true. animatronics. But they made some seamless transitions between animatronics. Anytime you're watching a dinosaur walk, that is CGI. And and they have some amazing, they have some amazing transitions. We're going to get to that. Yeah. What, why it's so good. Cool. Tim, can I can I tell you a story? Uh, yeah, I like stories. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you a story because we're talking about the effects and the CGI. Um, okay. So, like you said, Stan Winston um, was on brought on to do the animatronics. Um, Phil Tippett was first brought on to do the go motion of the dinosaurs. Do you know what go motion is? I do. Okay, he, pat- he patented it. It's his own kind of exactly. stop motion um, 
software. Yeah, it's stop motion, and then they include sort of a motion blur in the frame. So it looks like um, the dinosaurs would be moving a little bit smoother than what they would, the jerkiness you would get with stop motion. So he rigs something up uh, for raptors and for T-Rex. He shows Spielberg, and Spielberg's like, uh, no, this is not what I'm looking for. This does not look real enough. So that's when um, ILM comes into play and says, you know, we can do this with computer-generated imagery, CGI. They show Spielberg the first look at a T-Rex, and he turns to Tippett, and he says, you're out of a job. Tippett says, Mm. don't you mean extinct? (laughs) And then Spielberg takes those lines and puts them in the movie. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well... Tippett was not out of a job. No, he, he wasn't. He definitely had a big part in this movie. Um, he's worked on the original Star Wars trilogy. He worked on Robocop. He worked on Starship Troopers. So this guy's uh, excellent. And his stop motion was really, really cool because he created these miniature dinosaurs with all these different um, access points to like make them move, right? So... You could move the fingers, you could move the wrists, you could move the elbows. The tail moved in like six or seven different places. And that's basically what he would do, right? He'd move the dinosaur one frame at a time into position and that would get captured on the computer. And then he'd move it again and it would get captured. Very cool. So yeah, he was he was the expert on the dinosaur movement. And so even when they moved to CGI, he still... His team still stayed as the experts on dinosaur movement. Just now they were doing uh, more with the CGI than they planned on. Right. So that's your team for the dinosaurs, basically. Now, director, obviously, we have Mr. Steven Spielberg. Yes, man. This this guy's movies have received 130 Academy Award nominations. Wow. Yeah, that's a number, eh? That's a number, man. And he's won 34 of them. Oh, here's here's the number I like. I'm going to give you a number, a Spielberg number. He sets the all-time box office record in 1975 with Jaws. Then he sets the all-time box office record in 1982 with E.T. Then he sets the all-time box office record in 1993 with Jurassic Park. Incredible. Yeah, he knows how to make a movie. He knows how to make a movie that people line up for. Hold on a second. Some of the reasons that his movies are good and why people line up are some of the reasons I don't like this movie. I'll just throw that in there. Okay. You're wrong. Put a pin in that for later. Okay. No, I, I'm not wrong. You... One's opinion one's opinion can't be wrong. Oh, I know, Tim. I know. We are. It may uh, differ from your opinion and other people's opinion, but I'm not wrong. For sure. Everyone's opinion matters. We are going to honor your opinion on the podcast. For sure. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's just, This podcast is a safe space. Oh, totally. The safest. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you're allowed to say anything here. I'm not going to attack you for your opinions at all. We have we have locks on the door and an electronic keypad to get in. Right, it's very very safe. Very very safe. So our two producers are Gerald Mullen. Now he's produced not up to this time, but overall he produced five films for Spielberg, and he's in the movie. He is the chief veterinarian of Jurassic Park, and we see him at the scene with the sick triceratops. Oh, really? That guy mm. doesn't, he doesn't seem like a good vet. He doesn't strike me as a very good vet. It's because he's a really good producer. <laughs> right, right. That's why. I was actually thinking that when uh, he was doing his vet work, I was like, is this guy have another job? Like, is he just here on weekends? So he's a really yeah. good producer. Okay, it makes sense. There you go. Our uh, second and 
more uh, weightful uh, producer is Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Now, mo- most people know about her. She's currently the president of Lucasfilms. She took over after George Lucas. Um, she has produced over 60 movies. And the total gross of those movies is over $11 billion. Bit Billion? Eleven billion, yeah. Wow, that's a lot mm-hmm. of dollars. It is. It's a lot of. It's a lot of billions, even. It is. Yeah, eleven of them. Like, imagine if you had eleven cars. How insane that would be. Yeah. I, I, mean, I have one car. How many cars do you have? I I have one. Yeah. So eleven cars is a lot. It's true. If I can but, think about just getting like two more cars, that would be so many more cars than I have. Or like. What if you had 11 beers? Like that that's a lot. Interesting. That is a lot. This podcast would be going a lot differently if I had 11 beers. We yeah, I think um the 50th was creeping up to those numbers. It's probably close to 11 beers. 11 or more. Yeah. Uh sorry about that. Let's get back to it. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy was hired by Spielberg as his assistant in the late 70s on the movie 1941. And they both agreed that she was terrible. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. He, he kept her terrible assistant. Right. He kept her on because she had some great production ideas. Cool. So kind of from that point on, you know, they were this team and she gets her first producer credit for him on E.T. And then basically over the next 30 years goes on to produce almost all of his movies. Awesome. I like that they started kind of like way back at the beginning with each other. Yeah. Uh, it's always great when the team knows each other and have worked together and they can kind of cut through some of that initial bullshit and just get to the meat of things totally all the all the conversations can be meaningful because they don't feel like they need to tiptoe around each other i mean i don't know how much tiptoeing there is going on in hollywood they probably just tell it as it is because there's lots of money involved but like you said you can get this comfort with the other person right now screenplay by michael crichton and david cope I think that's how you pronounce his name. Okay. Did you say Cope? 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 I don't know. I'll say Cope. All right, Cope. Let's call him, let's call him Dave. Davey. Davey boy. Da- Davey, Davey K. Uh, Crichton, obviously very successful author yeah. and screenwriter. He has around 30 novels and half of them were turned into movies. Yeah. He, so that's, that's very excellent. For sure. He is a huge name in pop culture. Um, I yeah. am a huge Michael Crichton fan. I have a ton of his books, have read a ton of them. I love it. That's news to me. Yeah, he d- he does this like uh, technology going wrong thing. That's like his whole his whole thing. All his oh, books fun. are based on that. And I love that's it. That's fun. Yeah, it's fun stuff. He's a genius. He's actually a really smart guy. Uh, Davey K. He's also a very successful screenwriter. His movies have grossed over $2.3 billion. Wow. These people. I know. Now, I like this guy. Because he wrote a favorite of mine, the 1990 sci-fi movie, I Come in Peace. Ah, you do like that. Check it out if you haven't seen it, everybody. That didn't bring in much of that $2.3 Okay, okay. It probably didn't bring in much of the $0.3 but it's it's a fun, fun movie. Fave, fave, a fave of mine. So far far on this podcast, I'm just hitting us with um, a stats. So I'm going to give you another one. Crichton stat that just blew me away. In 1995, he had the number one best-selling book, the number one best-selling movie, like the number one movie of the year, and number one TV show. 
Wow. It's incredible. Yeah, it was uh, The Lost World was the book, so the sequel to Jurassic Park. Um, Congo yeah. was the movie which he wrote the screenplay for and also has wrote, like, he wrote the book Congo in, like, the 80s. Um, and then ER for TV show. It's incredible. Wow, nailed it. Yeah. Good for him. Love Crichton. Music, our buddy John Williams. Oh, love John Williams. Obviously fa- fa- uh, famous for many movies, uh, some of which Jaws, Jaws 2, the original Star Wars trilogy, Superman, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Home Alone, etc., etc. Now, cinematography, Dean Cundy. Yeah. Now, this guy worked a lot with John Carpenter on his movies, and he's worked on a lot of horror films. Cool. So for, Car- for Carpenter, he worked on The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China. Now, out of all of these key people that we've talked about so far, for me, Dean, for me, I'm not saying for you or for anybody else, mm-hmm. okay? Because I know you jumped on me last time for that one. Right, right, right. For me, <laughs> for me, this guy is arguably the like the most key guy in this film. And here's my reasoning behind that. It's very important in this movie to get this creature correct, this T-Rex, right? We need it like looking and feeling like a killer monster which it is, and which Dean Cundy has a lot of experience in working with. He's working with these monsters, these killers. He, he understands horror films, and he understands what to do. So if this T-Rex doesn't look real, it doesn't look terrifying, it's not scaring the audience utterly and completely, like it has to look perfect. Anything less than that, you're kind of going to be like taken aback by the effects and how this thing looks. And you're going to be like, oh, it doesn't look all that real. So all of Cundy's experience in lighting monsters and lighting creatures to make them not look fake, usually practical effects even, right? Like lighting practical effects. Yeah. This is why I think he is one of the most important. Because if he fails, I think everything else down the line fails. So Damn. I think he, he nailed it. And Dean Cundy is also in the film, Dean. What? When? He, How? He's a, a boat crew member. Boat crew member. I think that Boat guy was just member. blurry on. Uh, <laughs> I on tried a, to remember CRT I like, screen. He was just I a blurry man. <laughs> I don't remember the boat scene. <laughs> there was no boat scene. <laughs> there, they just there went. was. I think when that. I think when that guy, the guy brings Nedry that Barbasol bottle yeah. on the island. Yeah. I think doesn't he get off a boat? Does he get off a boat at a dock or something? No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Nedry is watching the boat, like. The, the boat is going to leave. So he has a camera like on the boat and okay. the, a guy is like on the phone and he's like, hey, you got to get down to the boat. We're going to get the hell out of here. And I think it must be that guy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's Dean Cundy. Amazing. Cinematographer. Amazing. Of the movie. Tim, I agree with you. I agree that yeah. Dean Cundy plays a huge role in this. I think for like for me, I can't really pick out just one thing that makes the movie great. I think it's uh, it, they need it all. They need every aspect that you just mentioned, every single one of them, um, all the way down to, you know, Crichton, John Williams, Spielberg, every, everyone. Um, but totally Cundy, definitely. the. Now, like, blocking and framing, is that Spielberg? I guess they probably work together on that. Spielberg blocking? Would, and, yeah, Spielberg like it, would kind it of would explain be, a shot, but Cundy's got to get it. It would be Cundy's job to do it. To do it, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Spielberg could say, like, look, I think I think you missed it on this shot. Right. Let's, let's fix it or change it. Right. But, yeah, it would, it would basically be, like, I would think Spielberg sharing his ideas and visions yeah. and Cundy bringing it to life. So yeah. framing the shot, 
He's responsible for the lighting in the scene. Um, probably the way that the set is, you know, things are arranged in the set. Like he's, the scene has to look correct for him. Um, yeah. So a big part, like there's a lot of things that go into cinematography. So, yeah. So for me, those, those two doing that, um, huge. I think the framing in this movie in those dinosaur scenes is huge, um, to why we feel scared in those moments. Yeah. Now, uh, I'll stick up for Spielberg here. Spielberg was the one who kept the camera at eye level for the most part, instead of having it like up around the dinosaurs. He he Smart. insisted on it being on the ground to create more terror for the audience, which definitely worked. Perfect. So should I just blast through the cast really quick? Uh, we could do some cast. Yeah. All right. I just kind of have like the key players here. Sure. But you've got Sam Neill as Dr. Alan Grant, Laura Dern. Your girl, my girl, my crush, Doctor Ellie Sattler, Jeff Goldblum as Doctor Ian Malcolm, Richard Attenborough as John Hammond, Samuel L. Jackson as Ray Arnold, and Wayne Knight as Dennis Nedry. Now, this is very interesting because I really liked the casting in this movie because, for the most part, it wasn't like all your Hollywood A-list actors. Yeah. And sometimes having those A-list actors are good, but sometimes they can pull you out of the story a little bit. So in a movie where I think the dinosaurs are the stars of the movie, similar to Jaws, where the shark is your is your real star, mm-hmm. this movie could have been very different because William Hurt and Harrison Ford both turned down the role that Sam Neill got. Jim Carrey auditioned for the role that Jeff Goldblum got. Robin Wright turned down the role that Laura Dern got. Christina Ricci auditioned for the role of the young girl played by Ariana Richards. And Sean Connery was up for the role that Richard Attenborough got. So if you swip, swip, if you, if you flip the switch on these characters and who's playing them, this movie looks a lot different. I'm not saying it's going to be worse because I'd have to see it to know, but it could, it could definitely be a lot different. I think you get less of the terror because... You feel more like you're part of the group because they're just kind of these regular characters, these people you haven't seen as huge stars. It's not like you have James Bond on this island, right? So you would you feel, I think, more scared for the characters because they aren't that those recognizable faces. Um, and this is in the 90s where a recognizable face, a star-driven movie is what's making you money at the box office. So... Movies are wanting to get those names so that they can throw that on the poster and get people out. But uh, yeah, this movie doesn't need it because they know the true star is Mr. T-Rex. Yeah. Perfect. All right. That basically takes us to the movie breakdown. So since you love this movie so much, Dean. I love this movie so much. Since it is your number eight. Yes. We thought it would be a great idea for you to walk us through. Cool. Story. Cool. So take her away. Sure. The walkthrough, I think I struggled with this because the walkthrough, I think, is going to be a little different than what we usually do because um, everyone's seen this movie. Tim, it, it, over a billion dollars. Who hasn't seen this movie? I, I'm glad you said that because as I was watching it, uh, knowing that I didn't have to break it down, I was kind of sitting back and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm really happy I don't have to break this down because it's yeah. even the way the movie plays out, it's a bit of a weird one to walk through. Yeah. kind of hitting on all the things it's just i feel like it might be pretty boring for people to listen to if we just walked through from start to finish so 
Yeah, there's Good. there's I'm also glad. like a lot of red herrings in the um in the plot that are just sort of throwing you off and maybe give you they give you a little bit of insight, but you think they're a big problem and they end up not being a big problem. So these are sure. things, yeah, these are things that, like you said, would be a little bit confusing if we're just walking through it. Um, so yeah, I have like, I wrote I, I wrote the scenes in order just so I would know what they were, but I, I kind of want to just hit on some main points. So I, I can walk us through the movie, but not like in big plot detail, more like uh, what I really enjoyed as the movie progressed. Does that make sense? It sure does. Good with I'm that? Down. Okay. I'm good with that. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so one like first point that comes to mind is the restraint in showing the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And like if you've seen the trailer, really don't show a lot of dinosaurs in the trailer. You get to see them, but they cut away within a second. Like you're not you're just seeing like, "Oh, that was big and then it's gone." And so I like that this movie opens on a dinosaur attack. But we don't see a dinosaur. We see an eyeball, but we don't see a dinosaur. And I really like that. It, it it sets the stage that something has gone wrong. And there's there's some sort of... We know. We know it's a dinosaur. It's Jurassic Park. We know what's in that in that cage. But we don't see it yet. We don't see what he can do with it. And I love that. Yeah, I uh, agree 100%. Now, movie intros are really important for me. I love it when a movie just grabs me from the beginning and pulls me in. I was grabbed right away and pulled in here because of exactly that intro. But I like that you have like a team of about 20 guys there to respond and control this Raptor. Like they let you know right away this world that you're living in that a small dinosaur the size of the human needs to be held down by 20 guys with guns and cattle prods. Right. And the thing still manages to like break free in a way and uh, and grab a dude. Right. It's so, a really good point. That's a small cage. They have a lot of men for the size of that cage. And that's a great setup yeah. for what comes later, right? Like this they show you this one of one of the smallest dinosaurs they can, and they let you know how damn fucking powerful this thing is. Yeah. So a lot of I think a lot of the first hour of this film is set up to get to the payoffs in the second hour of the film. And so that is definitely one of them. And I think we get the other one or at least another one of them when we meet like sort of our our heroes our main characters of the movie being like dr alan grant and dr ellie sattler when we see them in a dig like we go straight from a dinosaur attack to digging up bones right like it was really it was really smart it was really really fun yeah and and you get this you get this characterization of these two just them at their jobs you can you can already see that they are so into this dig and so into the imagery, like like they already have a little bit of technology in this scene with them, right? And they're already a little hesitant about it. They don't really know, oh man, we're taking pictures under the dirt. I don't really know if that's exactly the progression we want. We like to just dig things up. So already they're not really on board with the technology and we know it's going to be technology later on that's going to end up causing all these problems so i love the setup of technology right away in that first scene and them not liking it yep 100 percent. i just i thought the character introductions were all fantastic yeah yeah um even the uh even that asshole kid remember that oh, asshole kid man. do you want to punch that kid in the yeah. face i mean don't punch kids do. but like that kid if you I had do. to punch a kid <laughs> He was in. Do you remember him from Full House? Yes, totally. He was a, I think he was Duck Lips from Full House or yes, something like that. Yes. I've I've never in my life not wanted to punch that kid I when know. I see him. That face, man. He's just got that <laughs> face. Um, 
And actually, so, like, I love that Grant kind of rips into him. And he rips into him with, again, another setup for later. He tells us how raptors attack, which later, sort of the raptor expert doesn't know and gets fooled by it. So I I love that setup, too. Yeah, this movie was very, very good at setting up things for later. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and then, like, you get Hammond right away, right? You get Hammond talking to them. Um, His first line is just hilarious when uh, uh, Alan Grant comes in and is like, hey, we're saving that champagne. And he's like, for today, (laughs) I guarantee it. I love that. He was very confident. I I love his confident cockiness in that moment. Um, That's I I really like that scene. Uh, Again, Hammond is sort of showing the restraint that Spielberg's showing, not giving away what this island is about. He just knows that he knows that if they see it, if they can just see with their eyes what this is, they're going to sign off. And I feel like that's Spielberg, too. He's like, oh, my goodness, we cracked it with this CGI and animatronics. We got to hold off as long as we can, because when we show them, they are going to love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's just said, uh, I can't really explain it to you. You have to see it, right? Like, yeah. I, it wouldn't do it any justice for me to tell you what it is, you know? And of course, they wouldn't believe him anyways. Yeah. And might not go with him at that point if, if he says it, right? Yeah. And I like, so we're talking about the characters. I, I have read the book. I read it in sort of prep for this. And a lot of the characters have changed. Like a lot of their, uh, sort of the way they are, um, is flipped around for a better movie. Sure. And I really like what's done with Hammond. Like he's, I like that he's just this like jolly, innocent guy who just wants to see some dinosaurs. Like in the book, he's just like money driven. That's all he cares about is because this is going to be a huge attraction. Mm. And it's just like nothing else matters. No one matters. Um, Interesting. So I really like this like little jolly guy. I mean, he, you know, he ends up, he ends up screwing up big time. But I like the jolly. It's, it's more fun. I kind of would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more of that, you know, money grubbing a hole because it might be better, you know, for the payoff when he kind of realizes that this was a big mistake. But I do like that, you know, he gets there anyways. So, well, you get that from Newman or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You get get that from him. So you don't really need two of them. I think. Was he in the book? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. He's in the book. Okay. Doing the same, doing the same stuff. Um, he's he's a little bit a uh, little bit younger in the book, but uh, I like that his name's Nedry, and if you just switch two letters, it's Nerdy. Mm. <laughs> so I wonder if that was intentional. Probably. Um, yeah. So like he he convinces them to come to the island. They come to the island, and this is where the magic happens. Like this is when we first go to the island, and it's like welcome to Jurassic. They're in the jeeps, and we get the Alan and Ellie scene, like when they're in the jeep and they first see it. Tell me, you tell me about this scene. I'm going to tell you why I love it. But how, how did you feel about seeing the Brachiosaurus for like the way it plays out? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, I actually, when I was watching, I was like, oh, that is what they call a jaw dropping scene because both of both the actor and the actress, their jaws hit the floor. Yeah. They were just like mouth wide open. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I loved it. They're, they're in their Jeep and they drive up the hill and- uh, Sam Neill, uh, Dr. Grant is is talking about something else when um, Ellie is first to see them, I believe, and her her mouth is just wide open. And obviously, it's like how you would react if you just saw a dinosaur. Yeah. And then he looks, and I can't remember what he says, but he's blown away. Uh, you couldn't not get goosebumps the first time seeing that. Yeah. It's just, it's so, that was excellent movie making, is, is what I'll say about that. Yeah, they call this, uh, they call this the Spielberg face. And the Spielberg face is when something 
wondrous, but maybe like a, something your mind can't quite comprehend, but you're just amazed by it is happening off camera. And Spielberg is just stuck on the actor's face. And this is one of my face, one of my fa- one of my favorite Spielberg faces. The this this sort of uh, progression. So you had it just flipped. It's Grant who sees it first. Okay. And he just kind of slowly stands up, and then Ellie's talking to him, and he just turns her head. He just reaches over and turns her head in the in the direction of the dinosaurs. And I love how she just rips off her glasses and stands up. Like she's not taking off her glasses like in a way that's gonna. I got to get these glasses on my like off my face and be cool about it. She just rips her glasses off her face, stands up, jaw dropped, music is swelling, and then we as the, like then we get to see the Brachiosaurus, the camera pans, you know, left to right, then kind of pans up and we see how long it is, how tall it is. Right. Unbelievable. Like this is this is magical, a magical moment in the movie. For me, it's my favorite part of the the movie just because it it fills you with that wonder and excitement, which I think is really you know, obviously really key to the movie and kind of the only leverage that John Hammond has is Mm -hmm. the wonder that we are going to feel looking at these creatures. Right. Yeah. They choose the right dinosaur to show there. They show totally one of the largest, like they show a long neck. So you get to see how majestic, how massive these things are. And they show a few of them too, right? A few of them in the field. So, uh, yeah, I was, I remember being, being in, at that point, I'm totally. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm down. I love it. I'm down I love this. it. Yeah, it's it, for me like movies that are in my top ten are movies that give me a specific feeling. So I, I do like like sort of really cool plots, um, you know, like The Matrix, which is in my top ten. But it is it is because it creates a feeling in me, and and this movie is just that wonder, that childhood wonder, and that childhood excitement of just just feeling like something you're in awe of something and something so amazing you can't even imagine it and the movie gives me that feeling and it it kind of starts here give us a quick rundown of your top 10 just so everybody knows okay okay i will well i'm gonna pull I, it i out. think i can i think i can do some of them okay i'm gonna pull i, I got a list that i'll pu- quickly pull out just so i get it right because it kind of shifts on uh, a weekly basis i know it changes i think i think i can get your top four Okay, okay. And maybe your top five, and then obviously I know your number eight, but that might be all I can do. Okay, let's see this. I got it up. Let's go. Okay, I know your number one is Alien. You got it. Now, number two, this is tough. Uh, it's between two movies. I'm going to go with The Thing. You got it. Okay, then number three would be Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Number four is number four Jaws. Number four is Jaws. I must talk about this way too often. <laughs> you just listen to my top. Now, number four five. This is where <laughs> this is where it gets tough. Yeah, because I, I know that number number five bounces around a lot. Yeah. No, I guess it's how recently you watched this movie. I always say it for your number five. Is it? Um, last time I said it, I was wrong, but I'm going to say it again. Is it Avengers Endgame? You are correct, sir. Yes. Okay, <laughs> you, got, five. you nailed the top five. Okay, well, hold on. I know Matrix is near top ten. Is uh, So, number six. I feel like I'm six go... is the tricky one on here. Oh, uh, okay. So, I won't get six. Then, you know, that's kind of it. That's all I know. I know your number eight is uh, this movie, but uh, why don't you hit us with the last five? Okay, six is uh, Blade Runner 2049. Ah, good choice. Yeah. Uh, seven's Matrix. Eight's Jurassic Park, nine, Back to the Future, and ten is Aliens. 
Okay, awesome. Yeah. Great list. Thanks, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are no just doubt. movies that I can just watch over and over and over again, and I have. Yeah. You said you watched Jurassic Park like two times in the last 10 years. I watched it two times in the last 24 hours. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> That's dedication. <laughs> dedication, man. man. I You're love it. Dino, dinosaur dedicated man. Yeah, I love this. Okay, we're going off the plot for a second here. I love this score, man. I've been listening to it all week. I've been listening to it all my life. Like, I played this song in a concert in like junior high i played the saxophone and we played this song and it was just like the best moment of my life i was so into it <laughs> i felt like I, I just played it like immediately like I, I i felt like i didn't even need the sheet music i was just like oh jurassic park yeah let's go give me the solo let's do it yeah you know what happened there dude the music was playing you, you got right it <laughs> oh dude the music was playing me as right man huh i love this movie i've loved it since i was a kid awesome okay Tell us more. Uh, do you want to hear the first time I saw the movie? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so this, this is interesting because I like, so I was born in 86. Um, so in 1993, I was uh, quick math five. <laughs> That's terrible. No, math, six, dude. Seven. I was That's seven. Terrible. <laughs> I'm supposed to be good at math. That was okay. not. Oh, man. That okay. was Maybe I close. have had 11 beers. Um, uh, try, try again. Okay. So I was seven. And like we've mentioned on this podcast before, our father went through uh, varying stages of what he allowed us to watch. And oh, uh, when it came to so me. So much fun. Yeah. When it came to me, it was um, lockdown mode. It was. Yeah. It was. You definitely, definitely couldn't go below what it said on like what the rating was for the movie. So if it's sure. PG-13, no way I'm watching that unless I'm 13. And even then, if dad got a whiff of it and thought like it wasn't it wasn't the right uh, wasn't the right vibe, then I was not going to be allowed to see that. So I learned a lot of techniques on how to watch those types of movies when I was younger because I was really into movies. We've heard about some of these yeah. before. Yeah. So this one, this one you haven't heard about. This one was yeah. taught to me by my friend James. He says... So this is in 1997. So you're four. In 1997. I'm, <laughs> I'm 11 at this point. James, James is 10. And James says, have you seen The Lost World? The Lost World Jurassic Park. There's no way, man. I don't, I don't even know what that is. There's no way I'm allowed to watch that movie. He says, okay, I borrowed it from my friend. Here's what we do. I go to my grandma's. You come over. I invite you over to my grandma's. She's upstairs. They have a TV downstairs in a separate room. We throw in the VHS. If she comes down the stairs and we hear her come down the stairs, we flip the channel. Perfect. So I go, Perfect. Her, I go to her place. We watch it. Feels like so dangerous. And we do it. Like we pull it off. We watch the movie. We had to cut, stop a couple times. Never got caught. It was perfect. I went out. Awesome. I secretly was able, like I told you, sort of the Walmart trick. You can go buy movies in Walmart and they don't, they don't check the age. Right. I was able to buy that Lost World VHS. So I was able to watch it in my own basement where we could where I could hear parents coming down and flip the channel. Trick, brilliant trick that he taught me. So then I actually hit like I think I actually hit 13 years old where dad is going to let me watch PG-13 movies. And I was like, "You know what? I've never actually watched Jurassic Park. I've never watched the first one. I've just secretly been obsessed with the Lost World." So I got the VHS for Jurassic Park. Dad let me get it. He knew I was watching it. I went downstairs, watched it in the basement. I was like, holy shit. This movie is way better than The Lost World. <laughs> like, this movie is incredible. I never even knew this, like, any of this existed. 
Yeah, you're too well. You're too young to know. I was. You're, I you're, was too. Your young. little brain, Dean's little brain, twelve year old brain, wouldn't have comprehended. No. Uh, Jurassic Park. So. No, but thirteen. I was getting really into movies, like when I was thirteen years old, and right. uh, I was watching a lot of movies, and this one just stood out right away. I was like, "This is magic. This movie's amazing." It is magic. Okay, where would we leave off? We left off at the shirt I am wearing, which is Bingo Dino DNA. I got the little DNA strand mm-hmm. on my shirt. I see it. And I love this. I love this video that they show all of the scientists. I, I love it too. Okay, because it's like a shit ton of exposition we got to get through. And they do it with this like fun cartoon. Yeah, I got such um, a Lost vibe from it. Oh, yeah. Like the, the Dharma Initiative and the show Lost. Totally, man. Totally. So they, they totally must have ripped it off uh, from Jurassic Park yeah. because... Matt, watching it, you know, again now, I was like, oh, damn, this is that video that they showed. Really, really fun, though. Fun to do it this way. Yeah, it's a great, that's a great point. Um, it really felt to me like, um, it felt to me like a 90s ride. Because um, they were kind of on a ride, right? They were they were strapped in. And I've been to, you know, some, some theme parks. I've been on the Jurassic Park ride, man. I've been to Jurassic Park. Dude, you, you are Jurassic Park. And Jurassic Park, man. They play off the ride like you're actually at a Jurassic Park. What Which all did perfect. you do in preparation for this podcast? Uh, in preparation for this podcast, I I watched this movie a number of times. I mean, I've watched it a number of times before, but I watched it a number of times for this podcast. I read the Michael Crichton book. I am a big Michael Crichton fan, but had never read this book. It was fantastic. Um, I listened to the soundtrack all week, maybe the last, last two weeks, because I knew we were doing this for a while. And I went to Orlando. And I rode the Jurassic Park ride in Orlando at the Jurassic Park Orlando location. That's what they call it. They, they make well, not, f- not in preparation for this podcast. Not in preparation, but I've done it. Because that would be insane if you did yeah. that. It was, only, it was only a couple months ago, though. Like, it's fresh. It's a fantastic ride. It's, it's one of my favorite rides, obviously, because you feel like you're there. Didn't you do something else? I thought there was another thing. I, I, I don't know, man. Maybe. I don't know. I thought you sent me a message. You, heard you were doing something in preparation. Anyways, whatever. Well done, sir. Th- thanks, man. I don't know what else I could have been doing. I, I could have been playing with the toys, but uh, I don't have them. <laughs> In preparation, I watched the movie. Oh, well done, sir. And I did some research. I see you also have a uh, shirt on, a raptor a shirt, shirt on. on. That's correct. I have a Jurassic Park raptor shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. It's sweet. Do you remember, do you remember pre-1993? Had you ever heard of a raptor before? not really no <laughs> right it's like i don't think i ever and i love dinosaurs yeah. i was so into dinosaurs when i was younger okay raptor I wasn't a big a dinos- one a little dinosaur book and everything um no I, don't, I couldn't recall hearing a raptor before this movie and now it's like the name of my favorite basketball team it is i'm yeah. wearing the hat yeah oh you are yeah that was that was oh, unintentional actually i just wear backwards. this this is my podcasting hat it's, it's backwards so i couldn't see it there we go yeah okay You're all raptored out i'm all ra- i'm all raptored out um, yeah, I love that. Uh, this really felt like felt like a ride. This uh, this little presentation. They always give you a little video before rides, and they kind of because they're trying to get you into that this is real and like you're going on this tour, and then you know something bad's going to happen. So yeah, it it really felt like that. And I just think it's so smart that they dumped the exposition in that way because these are actually the parts of the book where I'm like, you know, snoozing or skimming. It's uh, it's tough to get through the the heavy um, exposition in Crichton books, but. Brilliant. I loved it. 
I uh, I liked the birth of the little oh, yeah. raptor. Yeah. Just after after this moment you're talking about, I feel like they were maybe trying to give like, give a little nod to Alien and the, cool. the uh, like original chestburster scene. It was really well done. That like that it looked really really good still. It did look good. I know it. It was a great scene. And it's it sounded good. Like this movie won Oscars for mm. sound. And I actually yeah. watched a little behind the scenes. Um, and I saw how they, you know, do the sound for it. And they're like, crun- like crumpling different types of materials to see what sounds like an egg cracking. Like while they're watching the video, they ended up on right. like waffle cone or something. <laughs> and then like when they're um, taking shell off, it's supposed to be kind of gooey. So they're like, you know, digging their fingers in a cantaloupe and seeing what that sounds like. It's just really cool how they actually have to come up with these sounds. Like, they have to record these sounds. That'd be a fun job. It would be. It looked fun. They The, the lady just had, like, this table of all these different foods and stuff, and she was just trying out stuff by the mic. It was really cool. Yeah, I mean, one of my beefs is the way that the dinosaurs sounded, because I know that they were overlapping multiple animal sounds, Um like for the T-Rex specifically, they used a tiger, an alligator, and a baby elephant kind of morphed together for the sound. It just didn't it didn't seem realistic. It seemed like they were forcing it to sound like terrifying and scary, a little bit too much so. I don't think they needed that. As scary as, as the sound is, I don't think you need that to be like the the most scary thing. Like the just yeah. the, the look and the look of this thing and the size is is gonna do a lot already. And the sound could have been you know, anything loud and it's yeah. going to be fine. I, I might have preferred more of like a, a low rumbling sound to this kind of like high pitch shrieking uh, that, that we got. But. Yeah, I totally get you with the T-Rex, man. Um, I, I did my sort of last watch of it uh, just earlier this afternoon. And that's kind of the first time it stood out to me. But that T-Rex uh, roar just didn't seem right. Um, yeah, it seemed a little too, I don't know, a little too much. Sounds a bit too whiny. A little too to whiny. A little too a little whiny. Too shrieky, yeah. whiny. Yeah. I don't mind like the raptors talking to each other, um, but that that roar a little too much. Okay, uh, it comes up uh, pretty close to now, so I want to talk about Jeff Goldblum. Yes, man, we gotta talk about Jeff Goldblum. Gotsta. Ian Malcolm, man, the cha- the chaos uh, <laughs> the chaos theory mathematician. I love it. I love it too. I love how I love how Jeff Goldblum's way of speaking, just the way he speaks, just sort of really lends to this type of character, this type of like mm. eccentric character. I I really loved that they have they build up this excitement of the park and everything that's happening with it and then they juxtapose that with Jeff Goldblum's character and like the realistic point of view that he brings to the story, because I feel like as we're getting caught up in everything that's happening, uh, it is like a ride. We're just on board. We're just holding on. But Jeff Goldblum kind of brings in another side to the story saying like, you know, you guys are messing with some real shit here. Yeah. Basically, you know, have you actually thought through all of this? And it kind of progresses for, you know, a good chunk of the uh, early, early part of the movie. And I thought it was just a really, really nice dynamic that I really enjoyed. Yeah, totally. The The sort of chaos theory is kind of the perfect, um, the perfect ideals to bring into this, uh, like system, like to bring into this environment that they are trying to control. Like they, they are trying to create an environment, um, not even just with the animals, but with, 
like the plant life and everything around like ellie also thinks like well how do you know what the environment's supposed to be like you wouldn't know that you just know that you have brought a dinosaur and you know that plant you know types of plants that were around during that time but it doesn't mean you know what it's supposed to be like and that's he yeah yeah he's like ian malcolm is like you can't control this you can't just it's like there's so many variables with a system like that that if you just change one of them in the smallest of way you're going to get a different outcome so how are you trying to control nature and it just like he gets so upset and i really like how upset he gets but like he's very uh, he's like a very calm character right so he's like just says it very uh bluntly Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah I, i love how he's so offended by what they're doing there well, he, he, yeah, he says, like, nature has chosen, right? Nature chose to wipe out these animals. So if you're going to bring them back, you're going against nature, right? So you got to think about that. That's not a normal thing that you're doing here. And there most likely and for surely will be re- repercussions for that. Yeah, for sure. I like him. I like oh, him. yeah, I like him. I like him so much. Um, no, I like him so much. I like, I like him more than you do. Oh, uh... You beat he's me my, to it. He's my favorite. I like him more than you. He's he is a pretty tasty snack too in this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's I love it. He's got his shirt. He's lying down with his shirt off. Yeah. Sweaty for like half the movie. Yeah, it's great. You like, know what it's, else? It's, it's that iconic shot of him too. There's what, what one, else? There's one amazing shot where he's like walking as sexy as a person can walk, and he's walking <laughs> up to a pile of shit. <laughs> but it's out of frame when he starts walking, and then it comes into frame, and it's the sexiest anyone has walked towards a pile of shit. Yeah, I like how hard he's hitting on Ellie the whole time too. Oh yeah, yeah. It uh it worked in real life. Laura Dern and him dated, I think. Oh yeah? Yeah. <laughs> nice. It yeah. worked on me. <laughs> totally, man. That's where Ian Malcolm sort of says uh says what he thinks of everything that's going on, but everyone else kind of um airs their concerns as well, except for uh the lawyer, Gennaro, who's like totally pumped. He's the one who's like there to make sure everything's running smoothly. And he's just like, sweet, we're going to make so much money. He says they can charge like $2,000 a day or $10,000 a day. What would you pay to go to Jurassic Park? What would I pay? Yeah. Well, let's save that for later. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Sounds good. We'll get into that. Let's keep going with the with the story, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Um. Yeah. So he's super pumped about it. Malcolm's like, stop fucking with nature. Um, you know, Ellie's not on board and Grant's not on board either. Like Grant's like, how can we know what to expect? Like, yeah, it's cool when I see them, but how can we know what to expect? So everybody's actually, even though they had that moment of wonder, everyone's like their head's starting to kick in and they're like, how could this possibly work? And I love how innocent Hammond is in all of it too. He's just, he has no idea that they're going to bring up these concerns. Yeah. And then I, then I love that it doesn't work. (laughs) Totally. I know. I love that they go out to experience what is going to be so amazing about this park and what's going to bring in all this money. It's this this tour, this yep. this uh, Jeep tour. And it, it sucks. It fucking blows. It blows. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's seeing a dinosaur. I love nothing's, that. Nothing's, it's terrible. It's like the worst, <laughs> the worst uh, amusement park ever. And I love that they cut between like the control room and the tour, like as <laughs> yeah. they're going back and forth, because this is all at this point after that, like lunch that they had and everyone's like, you know, fuck this. This is the only 
thing Hammond has to win them over now is that wonder and that excitement right. of the animal. And they're not showing up. So he is so... He can't He can't win now. He can't win unless they see it, unless they see the magic. <laughs> so yeah. I love that we keep cutting back and forth. It's great. Icing on the cake is the uh, hurricane that yeah. starts rolling in too, right? It's <laughs> yeah, like, totally. As if things couldn't get worse. It It's all, it's all bad. Um, Samuel L. Jackson tells them to hold on to their butts and they, they need to. <laughs> they need to hold on to their butts here. Um, yeah, before the storm rolls in, they get the sick triceratops scene, um, mm-hmm. which again, I think is really cool because it shows you that all they needed to do was just see uh, a dinosaur and they're kind of back to that loving the idea not even loving the idea but like they just like kind of lose their minds seeing that dinosaur ellie's crying um alan's like lying on it while it breathes and they're just back to being children and and loving this yeah um so i think they have a i think they have like a head versus heart moment there um where whenever they're in the presence of a dinosaur they're like this is the most amazing thing ever and whenever they're away from the dinosaurs they're just like this can never work that was another thing i liked about the movie is that they have um uh alan and ellie they have all these theories about dinosaurs right but they have no way to prove them or know if they were true they just think that this is how the dinosaur sounded or acted totally and this is where they start to see some of these things and throughout the movie they're they're just taken aback by getting to hear what this dinosaur actually sounds like or how this one moves or you know like what is what is different about this dinosaur that they got wrong and what did they get right you totally. know, i really love that they they did that throughout the movie it it really like leveled up their character in my opinion yeah and it makes them want to see more right they yeah. they want to see that they were right they want to do studies on these live animals yeah they probably just don't think it's a very good idea to have it be uh you know a zoo and a theme park like they say right um yeah i like uh just before we leave the triceratops being sick I like that it is sick. Um, it just like, even though we don't find out why, it just like sort of gives us a, this idea that they don't have everything figured out. Yeah. This is where that producer has this great veterinarian moment where Ellie's like, the pupils are dilated. And he's like, oh, really? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> You're a vet and you didn't check the pupils? <laughs> right. This animal's getting sick every six weeks and you never shined a light in its eyes? <laughs> you are like, I think terrible. To touch on your point there about the, the triceratops getting sick... I think that is a moment that supports uh, Dr. Malcolm's character. And I think they're dropping things in this movie to support and uplift everybody's character. So when you're watching the movie, you can almost choose which side you're on or kind of absorb it all and just be okay with um, the good things and the bad things that are happening in this park. Right. But uh, I, I like that, you know, that aspect of it, that they're, they, that they're, making a point to, you know, not exclude anybody from their opinion and, you know, what even, even Nedry, even Nedry, who's, you know, is feeling a little bit like he's not getting paid enough money uh, for, for the work he's doing, you know, maybe uh, who has the right, if you have these dinosaurs and the DNA for it, maybe who has the right to own that, Yeah. right? Like, why can't he smuggle something out and give it to another group that wants to do something different or something safer, right? So like, who's who's to say what's right and wrong about that? So I, I really liked all these characters and the the viewpoints that they bring and uh, that, you know, the movie supports them. Yeah, definitely. And they, um, they set up the whole park 
um, it, it's kind of another area where technology comes into play because the whole park's automated, but it's just one guy who's writing the code. So if he just decides to, you know, fuck off and mess with them, they're totally screwed because of the automation, the technology they're relying on. So I like that this is kind of a secret villain in, in the whole movie is like the automation of this park because they just briefly mention that, you know, it you would have to have so many people to run this park the way you want, but I've done it in just like, it, it could totally be like Nedry's like, it could totally be automated for three days. I've set that up and no one else could do that for the price that I'm doing it for. So I, I'm with you, Tim, I get him. And he, why wouldn't he just be like, it's all on me. I could just totally mess this up, collect my money and get out of here. He's not trying to like cause any like chaos. He just wants to, you know, steal his specimens and get out of there. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Um, nobody, nobody is wrong in this movie. Everybody has their moment. Of, of like being right. Even Gennaro, even the blood-sucking lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had some good points. Yeah. So I guess we can get to sort of Newman's shutdown. <laughs> I keep calling him. I didn't know <laughs> that guy had him, a real name. Just call him Newman. <laughs> okay. People are going to know him better if we just call him Newman. Okay, we, I mean, he is great in this movie. Um, yeah, so we get we get to Newman's shutdown. And uh, I like the beginning of it. I like that uh, he tells them that just some systems are going to go down. And then he starts his thing. He starts going, and uh, then Arnold, they, like the 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 system, like the security systems, actually start going down. And, and Arnold's just like, huh? I guess he said like, I guess he said some of them would go down. But then once fences start to go down, they're like, oh no, he's messing with like, fuck that guy, he's messing with us. They just like immediately know they're not just yeah, they're not just like, oh, you know what? Like he did say something. They immediately know that uh, he is messing with them, and so they. They don't like linger on that too long. I guess I like that. No, he bought himself the time he needed as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the time of his escape, I love that he's like, I've done it in, I've done it in 18 minutes uh, or I've done it in 20. He says, I've done it in 20. Yeah. I think I can shorten it to 18. You got to give me 15. I feel like he is in that Jeep driving for like 35 minutes. Like by the time well, they cut back to him the last time, I'm that's like, another he's way out another of thing that i'm not yeah not a huge fan of it's like i like I that they, though they said he had 15 minutes yeah he said i've done this in 18 he said i've done it in 20 did he i thought he said i've done it in 18 he said i've done it in 20 well he said he did it in 18 back in the first scene he was oh, in. okay i think he was asking for 20 minutes okay to do it uh, i i mean you've seen it more than me so i'm not going to argue yeah you know with you on it but basically they give him less time than he's done it yeah and less time that he's asked for it yeah and then yeah you're right like he even though he's doing it he has time for his jeep to like break down and for him to pull the the what is it like the so he's got some sort of tow rope or something yeah, yeah. he's got at, time at to go and hook that up yeah he's got time to hook that up to a tree he's got time to talk to a dinosaur it's like Maybe these were all things that he practiced <laughs> in his trial <laughs> runs. Like maybe he's like, look, if it's raining, it could be muddy. My car could slide off the side. I might <laughs> encounter a dinosaur. Yeah. I should make time for that. Maybe if like nothing goes wrong, it's a one minute trip. I don't know. <laughs> so but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's like, it's kind of like, yeah. Like, how, how is this, this fa super fast, yeah. like moment that's supposed to be happening. And this guy's just like, everything is going wrong but yet he's still trying like as hard as he can yeah so my my take on that is that he's way past the time by then yeah this is my um my problem with the movie 
and it is Spielberg's over-the-top adventure sequences. I I can't get into them. I don't like them. And the movie would be far better for me if they weren't in it. Like just when the T-Rex is like attacking these people, there's a lot of things that are happening that are not believable for me. I'm jumping a little bit ahead. But um, well, no, the T-Rex is next. So and it's right here. But there's lots of moments like that, like the little bit later on the car where the car is stuck in the tree with okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Dr. Grant and, and the kid. And it's, a, it's just so unbelievable that they're underneath this car and it's falling and they're trying to make their way down the tree fastest. And right. it falls and hits a branch and it gives them a little bit extra time. It's all sorts of things like that, that I just couldn't buy. It could have been done a little bit differently. Spielberg does them because he's this over-the-top adventurous movie teller. But in this movie, these things did not work for me. Okay, that's fair. So that's my dislike of the movie. Okay, get that. Let's get that out of the way. Let me say, okay. um, from the first two viewings, that really hit me hard. And I really wasn't a big fan of this movie for those reasons and how I remembered them. How, like, over the top I remembered it. I remembered more of the movie being that way than actually was true. So when I rewatched it this time, I actually appreciated it far more because I was expecting a whole lot more of those moments. And... There aren't actually a, a whole lot of them in there. So um, while it's a small thing, that's kind of my dislike of this this film. Fair. Should we get to the T-Rex? Talk about the T-Rex a bit? Let's do it. Okay, because that's the big scene. That is the big scene. That's the, that's the big one. Yeah, we finally get to... We finally that's get what to everyone was that. waiting for. Yeah, what everyone was waiting for. He eats the goat. Um, and he, he breaks out of that cage. And so what... Like you were saying, like, it, this has to be scary. And I think there's a couple things that make it scary and allow this dinosaur to shine in the scene, even though it's got to be some sort of mix of animatronics and CGI. Um, and I think it's like a, a lot in the framing. Um, we see a lot of the T-Rex through the car. So it, it makes us like it, he's shot through the car. We see him through that sunroof and through the windows. And I, I feel like I'm in that car. Yeah, you feel stuck. It's shot from so, yeah, it's shot from so low. You feel stuck in that car, and that there is no escape at that point. And then you know the the camera eventually like pans up and out, and you get to you get to see the T Rex just you know freely moving. But I love seeing him from inside that car. Mm-hmm. And I like the rules they kind of set up in that scene where it's like, okay, if, don't move because he can't see you when you move. So now it it becomes reaction shots of characters where the t-rex gets to shine the t-rex is going to be the one moving around and doing everything and we just have to know how to feel through how scared faces are and how scared people look and i think it's very very effective in that scene that scene always gets me of how amazing it is and i just have to remember this is 1993 like imagining the theater in 1993 and seeing that that's a good point that's a really good point um when the T-Rex is coming for the first time, when you're hearing the footsteps pounding, oh yeah! Like before you even get to see anything, you get to hear it, right? And it's like, it's so powerful. And there's this shot of the water glass yeah. and the water glass is rippling. Uh, they, for that scene, they wanted to get concentric circles in the water. So they wanted those perfect circular ripples going outwards. And they had a difficult time making the water do that. Okay. And the the only way that they were eventually able to make those perfect circles happen was they had a cup of water on a guitar 
and the guy would play a certain note and he'd make those ripples. Really? So yeah, so in that That's scene awesome. there's a there's a guy lying on the floor of the car playing a guitar. That is amazing. To make those uh to make those ripples. That's so I thought so that was good. cool. That's so good. Yeah. Oh man. That reminds me of um how they got the Jeeps to look like they were driving um with no drivers. They yeah. actually had drivers in the trunk of the Jeep. Oh nice. driving the car, yeah. I did notice at one point that one of the Jeeps was off the track. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't lined up <laughs> right, right. correctly if yeah. this was like on a track and there was something connected to the ground there, but yeah. whatever. They did a good job. It's just technical problems that they have in the park, Tim. They haven't worked those <laughs> they haven't worked that shit out yet. I liked that they were electrical. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh yeah, so that's like uh I just love that T Rex scene. And it's it's kind of a different scene later, but we get to see the T Rex again quickly and he's like chasing um a Jeep with uh Ellie and Ian. And uh, that that Hunter Muldoon, I think his name is, um, they're driving away from the T-Rex. And I love the shot of objects in the mirror, maybe closer than they appear. And it's right. so big and like looks like yeah. it's going to be biting that mirror off. I love that shot. It's so smart. Yeah, uh, it was good. Yeah, it was just another another way of causing terror through how he's shooting these dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, like we're kind of can motor through because the rest of the movie is like action, you know, it's a lot of action scenes. So let me say one more thing then about the T-Rex yeah. because it was it was really epic that this scene was happening in the rain. It just added yeah. so much to it. But you got to think like how much additional work that would be for them just to have rain coming down in all these scenes. And I just appreciate the fact that they went to the effort to do it because it made it so much more impactful. But I, I, I do know that the dinosaur broke down on a daily basis because the skin absorbed too much water. Yeah, I And then it this. wouldn't work anymore. Yeah. yeah. They'd, have to, they'd have to pause shooting, dry out the T-Rex's skin, and then shoot again. So, yeah, um, yeah all those things. And the other thing is after Spielberg worked with Jaws, I thought he'd stay as far away from water as he could. But totally. Know, <laughs> That's kudos so to him yeah. for, for knowing that if, if it's just raining in this scene, it's going to be so much more impactful and he just he's like screw it whatever happens happens let's just we need the rain so I, yeah. I, I do appreciate that yeah and while jaws the shark is is your dude in jaws um this t-rex is my dude in this movie yeah well your dude gets to live yeah lucky that lucky that's you. true and my dude's the you, hero like my dude gets, my dude gets a hero <laughs> moment at the end it's crazy totally he does it's amazing yeah that's how jaws was supposed to end yes exactly <laughs> Um, yeah, to, to set up the hero moment that he gets, uh, I just wanted to quickly touch on the, um, Gallimimus scene where, um, so now like Grant and, uh, Lex and Tim have been separated from the group because of that T-Rex attack. And so they're just tra- trying to make their way back, um, yeah. on foot and they get sort of in this herd of Gallimimus and I like that a T-Rex comes in. And just like kind of eats one and then is just eating it and they go away. You remember that they're animals and it's like they're not just evil beings hunting the humans like they just want to eat and they don't know the difference between a human and another dinosaur they're supposed to eat. So I like that he comes in, eats that dinosaur, sets us up perfectly for that ending scene. Yeah, I also like as we're getting this far into the movie, I really appreciate how the characters are kind of being bounced around to, to different groups. So you're not you're not just seeing like um, two or three people together in a specific group the whole time. Like it's not just you know uh, Alan and Ellie doing their you know 
archaeologist thing. Yeah. Um, it's just different characters are, are going to different people in different areas of the park. And I just thought it was really interesting to do it that way. It, it kept every scene kind of fresh and, and, and new for me. So yeah, totally. Ellie and Muldoon team up a couple times, um, which is, which is fun as I was watching it and they were teaming up again later on in the movie. I guess we're getting to it pretty soon now. I was like, Oh yeah, they're like uh they're a solid team. Now they, they know how each other works. Yeah. And uh, the set design in this movie too, is just incredible. Like just from the opening shots and just, the way that it looks like they, they really created an excellent world. Um, like even when they just initially go off for the tour the first time, yeah. like there's guys still working in the park, like building things and trying to make the park, yeah. you know, ready for launch. Like the park hasn't launched yet. And it's just, they have these nice little details that keep you in that world that they're creating. Yeah. See, we, we got to remember that things aren't cr- quite ready yet and that's why they're also messing up because the only reason this is happening right now is because of that first scene where someone was eaten by a dinosaur someone was killed by a dinosaur and that's causing a lot of backlash with all of like the board of directors or whatever of ingen which is like the company that hammond um hammond works with or owns or whatever um so they they go and check up on it to make sure it's safe so that's why he needs all these all these different people to sign off on the park so that it can be safe and they can continue on. So he's got no choice right now, but to go with what he has and it doesn't work because it's the park's not ready. So I love that too, that there's just people working. They're just trying to get this park ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, at the, at this point, like uh, Newman's dead, um, a di- dinosaur spit in his face and killed him. And uh, yeah. his, his specimens that he stole have just been covered by mud and, I like it. I like that it's just, it, it's kind of interesting. Away. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that it's just this red herring that doesn't really matter. Um, him, you know, fucking up the security system really matters and <laughs> turning off the fences really matters. Um, but I like yeah. that he doesn't even really get close at all to his goal. Mm-hmm. The greed, the greed gets to him. Yeah, don't be greedy. Do you want to talk about Timmy, Timmy getting blown off the fence? I do. Okay. Yeah. What do you have to say about it? Uh, let go of the fucking fence, Tim. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I know this was a, a bit of a point of uh, debate and contention for people who have seen this movie because they, everyone would say like, why didn't he die? It's like, oh my goodness. So you got to save little Timmy, right? You can't kill little Timmy. So why blast him off the fence like that? Yeah. yeah. But I got a little bit of science here for you about that fence. And basically the way that they did it is pretty accurate for what would have happened in that situation. So first off, I do love that they have this sign 10,000 volt. Like I think it's like 10,000 volt blast or something, right? And yeah. they show it to you early on. So you're terrified of this set, this fence, right? They set up this fence later. Um, I mean, do you know what 10,000 volts means? I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't when I watched it. No. Uh, but it, it, it's this sign makes it sound terrible, right? Yeah. And very dangerous. But we, we do but, know that dinosaurs test it like like at least the yes. the raptors have like run into it and they're okay so, yeah. we, so we know you that. know you know it's working yeah but um with electricity volts is not the thing that's dangerous what's the current so it's the current right. so a, a static electric shock just something you'd get from touching a doorknob like r- rubbing your feet on carpet and touching a doorknob that can be as high as twenty thousand volts but there's little to no current and it happens 
so quickly for such a short time that it doesn't really do much damage to you. Now, people have died from as little as a 42 volt shock, but the current was a lot higher. Ah. Now, it's likely that while little Timmy is on this fence, that the initial burst of the power being turned on and the volts going from zero to 10,000 so fast would have caused a surge of current going through it that would be enough to blow him back. By him having two hands on one wire and two feet on the other wire, the electricity wouldn't actually pass through his body. It would continue down the wire. If he had two hands on the wire and two feet on the ground, the electricity would have passed through his body from the wire into the ground and he would have been fucking fried. But the way that they did it, I think, is pretty accurate for what would happen. So That's a really good point, Tim. Thanks for doing that digging. Uh, I took a lot of electrical engineer courses in school, and uh, this is all flashing me back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot of sense. It was something that I was always like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, well, all right, that's fine. All right, we get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dinosaurs can't touch it, but he, he, little Timmy can touch it and live. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's pretty sound. Yeah, nice. I like it. Thanks for uh, bringing some cred to my movie here, Tim. That's great. It's all good, man. It's all good. Thank you. That's what uh, I'm here for. I, yeah, man. That, that is what you're here for. You got all the background. It's great. Um, I like that Grant has a little fun moment with the kids here. It's uh, where he fakes. Oh, where that he was fakes. so good. Yeah, it's good. It was so good. Especially with his like his character being set up as not liking kids at all. And then, yeah. you know, the uh, Lex kind of has a little crush on him. Tim's like obsessed with his book and stuff. Um, yeah. I like it. I like that he's, he, he has this little moment of he's like, yeah, I'll, pl- I'll, I'll play with these kids here. Like it didn't get me this time, but I promise you, when I saw it the first time, I I would have fallen for it <laughs> yeah, as yeah. well. So I would have fallen for it if I was one of those kids. That's for sure. Oh, that's actually a real mean thing to do to the kids. Oh, but totally. Yeah, it 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 works well because he doesn't like kids. Totally. Right? Tim, they've gone through so much terror already. I know that girl screams kind of a- everything. <laughs> What kind of an asshole would do that at that point? <laughs> yeah, actually, that uh, it reminds me. I saw. Um, I can't remember who the interview was with. Uh, maybe it was even Spielberg. But he was talking about uh, casting um, uh, Lex. What was Ari- Ariana? Ariana, scroll up my notes. Uh, Richards, Ariana Richards. Um, when he casted her as Lex, he was going through videos of everyone's like auditions, and the auditions were like. Uh, they had like a screaming part of the audition and he said when he got to her tape and he was watching it and she did the scream his wife like bursts into the room and she was just like wanted to know if her ki- their kids were okay and so he's just like okay yeah, right. that, that's the one <laughs> that's the yeah, exactly that's the girl to get yeah no, i heard he just had her come in a room and, and scream he just asked her to scream okay okay yeah, <laughs> yeah just that's all the she screaming did. <laughs> yeah just the scream and it woke up his wife great great <laughs> and now, now that we're now that we're on Lex, Tim, um, there there are there are two of my crushes were in this movie, and so one one was Laura Dern, at, yeah. which which was in our our Valentine's Day episode. The other was six year old me had a huge crush on Ariana Richards. Really? Yeah. So I had seen her. I think I was six or seven. It is my first memory of thinking like a girl is cool. Oh. I saw her in the movie Prancer. What? And, yeah, the that, movie that reindeer that reindeer movie. She is not even the main character. She is the main character's friend, and she has a hard time believing that that reindeer is a real, like, is really Santa's reindeer. And I was like, mm. yeah, you know what? This girl is cool. She gets it. She's deep. 
she doesn't believe it. it's hard for her to believe she wants to believe she wants to be a good friend but it's hard for her to believe and i was like that girl's cool that's my first memory of like liking a girl nice man yeah so that's that's my other crush those are the type of movies dad was letting you watch yeah i could watch prancer i was letting him watch <laughs> cool prancer. Yeah. you must have been a hit with your friends oh <laughs> uh, yeah i uh i assure you i was not Hey, you guys want to watch Prancer? <laughs> I definitely, I definitely didn't bring that up ever. I was just like, no, nah, I don't like movies. I don't, I don't like movies. I don't watch them. You know how you have to like own it? They have to be like, oh man, did you, did you see the new, uh, whatever movie? Did you see yeah, the new did, Arnie movie? Yeah. You see the new Arnie movie? I was like, ah, man, Arnie, no, nah, Arnie's overrated. I don't like those movies. <laughs> you yeah. you got to own it because you're not allowed That's to right. watch them. Yeah. It's not big enough for me. <laughs> I like a little more muscle. <laughs> a little more of a man. Y'all seen Prancer though? <laughs> There's some deep characterization of a little girl. <laughs> that movie make you cry. <laughs> I, I bet it did make me cry. Um, yeah, so uh, she's cool. Um, uh, I like uh, Laura Dern's character. I uh, like yes. that back in 93, they make her such a powerful woman. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, pretty, you know, cutting edge for that time so i really appreciated that about her yeah uh she doesn't really take any shit from the guys and she's you know cracking jokes about them and stuff like that uh it was really really good yeah um that's that's even like in the book which is cool um the Gennaro, the lawyer just assumes that dr sattler is a man and when he sees her He's very shocked that she is not a man. Um, so they they play with that a lot too in the book, and I really like it. Uh, yeah, I really like it here in the movie. She's she actually we can get to it. She has her own sort of she has her own hero moment where she has to go turn on the power, and she's going with like Muldoon to that that uh, I think they call it the powerhouse. Um, but she's going with Muldoon to the powerhouse to turn it on, and actually that's yeah. that's where we get the raptor scene with Muldoon. It's like it's a great it's a great sequence, very exciting, um, where the hunter is hunting that raptor and he doesn't know what grant told us at the beginning that that raptor is just going to be sitting there while the other two are hunting you and he fell for it he fell for it and that's where we get clever girl yeah uh, some more things some more things i liked Sorry, yeah yeah, yeah. no no no, no you go i liked that the little girl was the one to kind of crack the code of the computers to get get everything back online i thought that was a nice touch i i think that is really good I really like that she has like that she presents as like a computer nerd and yeah. then has something to do at the end. What I love yeah. is that they're calling it hacking when like she's basically just like opening up a file on already a logged in <laughs> computer. Like that right. is what she is doing. She's going to a file folder and opening it up and she's like hacking yeah. bitch. <laughs> I love that. It's on Linux. She's like, I know Linux. Yeah. I know Linux. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I was like, if I was an 11 year old or I don't, I think she's 10 or 11. If I was that old and I was like into computers, I would probably call that hacking too. going on someone else's computer and getting done what I need to get done. I'd be like, that's I fucking hack that thing. That was for sure. Hacking. Yeah. I'm, I'm passing <laughs> Open, opening up a file. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like that. Uh, Sam Jack's character always has a cigarette in his mouth. He's just always he smoking. Chain smoking in this movie. It fucking yeah. rocks. We haven't talked about him yet. He did such yeah. a great job. Fairly unknown, I'd say, at this point as well. For sure. And he just brings it. And he was actually supposed to have a huge death sequence with those uh, raptors. Yeah, a big I heard chase this. scene. 
but the set got blown down by a hurricane, so they had to cut all that out. Yeah. They didn't film it. Yeah, so he actually but, just dies off screen. Um, that's right. Yeah, I really like his character. What I like is the like it kind of goes back to the cutting between the tour and the control room. The dynamics are so different. Like, especially when the power actually when the power has been turned off is when they're so different that you, you cut out and the T-Rex is like attacking everyone. And then you cut back into the control room. They don't know anything about it. They don't know that that's happening. And Arnold's like the hero in the control room. He's just trying to get the ship back online. Like that's his yeah. number one focus. He doesn't know someone was just eaten by a T-Rex. And so I like his, I like his seriousness, his cigarette in his mouth. He hates this hacker crap. I like him. I also like that they had raptors as major dinosaur you know players as well as the t-rex they could have easily gotten away with just having a t-rex as like the the main bad guy but throwing the raptors in just added such a nice and more interesting dynamic to the whole film so yeah. i appreciated that are the raptors i assume they are in the book yeah yeah okay yeah they're um they're same kind of thing they're causing they're causing a lot of the ruckus yeah um the t-rex is not the hero of the book that was uh that was a spielberg edition um which i love i love that yeah it works yeah because the, the like you said earlier the dinosaurs are highlighted in this movie as they should be so like you get moments where t-rex is just a t-rex he's just an animal and you get moments where he can save the day because they're it's kind of goes back to ian malcolm it's unpredictable we think the yeah. T-Rex is the villain of the movie. Unpredictably saves the day. Right. Exactly. That's a really tight movie. Yeah. Start to finish. It's tight. Kind of like you said, there's some red herrings in there, but for the most part, everything that they set up, you know, gets completed in the end. So yeah. really, really dug it this time around. Did you like and the, uh, did you like the kitchen? The, the scene in the kitchen? Yeah. Not so much. Really? Yeah, it was just more of that uh, Spielberg adventure. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, over adventure for me. Yeah. Like, it, it was cool and all, but I mean, I don't, I'm not buying that two kids are in a kitchen with a velociraptor and the raptor doesn't just shred them to pieces. Right. That's not, <laughs> right. see, that's, that's, that's the type of thing that they set up early, that this is how powerful the raptor is, and then they don't come through with it at the end. Right? I see, they, they, yeah. fa they fail us, the audience, with that, because yeah. this raptor can you know, um, needs these 20 armed men, but two kids are going to be able to get away. And then actually at that point too, uh, Ellie and Alan, they're like pushing against a door as the Raptors pushing on the other side. Yeah. Like there's no way that these two are holding off a Raptor, you know, pushing the door off. So it's like, yeah. well, that's why, that's why uh, Lex is hacking. Okay. That's just, th those are the moments that just didn't work for me. So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I thought the kitchen looked cool and all, um, technically it's very impressive just because of all the stainless steel appliances and stuff that they have and they yeah. have to create reflections totally. of everything yeah. off of those surfaces and yeah the dinosaur looks really cool and all that but i'm i'm not buying what they're selling there okay do you do you then like the t-rex scene more than that or is the t-rex scene kind of the same for you um the t-rex scene at the at like the, in the middle yeah or at in, the end in the middle with the car with the jeep no, see, I like that okay. because that I am buying that because, because they've set up the rules of the T Rex where if you don't move, he can't see you. Yeah, and I think they, I think they already mentioned how fast a T Rex can run. I think, 
Like, I'm not sure about oh, that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, they set that up. It, yeah. it makes sense that, yes, a car would be able to drive faster than a T-Rex. Yeah. Uh, just meaning so, the one before with the kids when they're stuck in the oh, Jeep. Oh, no, no. No, of course not. Okay. No. With the, when they when the, the T-Rex breaks through the sunroof yeah. and is pushing down on the kids, no, 100% those kids are dead, okay. right? The, the T-Rex rolls the car over after that. And I'm not, that's that, all that stuff I'm not buying. That's, that's, yeah. Okay. But you like the T-Rex being the hero? Oh yes, yeah, man. And then it's like the hero. the hero send the hero send off that they give him I know. with that banner yeah. falling down, and he is framed so perfectly yeah. in that shot. Like that's got to be up on somebody's wall somewhere for sure. Just that that picture framed. It says when dinosaurs ruled the earth on the banner, and it yeah. just falls down nicely. Amazing! And oh, that was that's epic, dude. Yeah. That's epic. And he's standing yeah. where the bones used to be. Like it's like here's right. the they new. They got crashed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Here's the Lo- new world, y'all. That. Dinosaurs. Love that, dude. Love yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah, great. It's it's a great movie. It is a great movie. It's bringing like, I think it's just a a home run. Like right off the bat, thinking like a Michael Crichton book, Steven Spielberg doing it. You know, John Williams doing the music. It's just the big names coming together, and it just really. Yeah, it really pays off for me. Yeah, it's epic, man. It's epic. It's epic. It creates that great feeling inside me of like wonder that I had when I was a kid. Like that that great that great excitement and joy. With with almost every scene in this movie, I am just so into it. Yeah. Great movie. Uh, uh agreed. Okay, man. There's only one thing left to do then. Oh, did, what was, if? was was I supposed to set it up? What if? No, I got a what if. Okay, good. Do you have a what, do you have a what if? Uh, no, I forgot. Well, I just assumed you'd forget or, and not come <laughs> okay. with one. So okay, I, cool. I've got a what. I got a what if. What if? Now, Dean. I I feel like I already know the answer to this one, okay. but I'm going to ask it anyways. Okay. And this alludes a little bit to what you asked before about how much would you pay to go to a Jurassic Park. Okay. That's why but, you cut me off. Yeah. Dean, what if Jurassic Park was real? Are you going there? I feel like you 100% are. So first of all, let me ask you, are you going there? I'm going there. Yeah, I'm thought, going there, I thought, man. I thought you're going there. Now, how do you feel... In one of those Jeeps, coming up to those epic gates as they open, and you're on your Jurassic Park ride. Now, before you tell us, tell us, how much would you pay to go to Jurassic Park? So, that $2,000 a day, I was thinking about that, and I was like, I'd, I'd spend $2,000 to go there for a day. That was in 93, though, so oh, true. Prices, uh, true. prices are higher now. That is true. Because like the $10,000 a day, I was like, I'm not paying $10,000. not paying $10,000 to go see dinosaurs. But $2,000 I would for sure pay. Um, may- yeah, maybe a little more than that. Maybe three. I feel like five's a cutoff. $5,000 to go see dinosaurs for one day seems like too much. Yeah. It does. See, here's the interesting thing is I, I, don't, I don't have that money. But if I did, let's say I was... Like really rich. Oh, if I was really rich, easy. I. Oh, you're saying just 
Yeah, I guess so, right? If I'm saying really right rich. now. Yeah, I'm saying right now. Would I go to Jurassic well, I mean, Park? Yeah, but like right now, what does that mean? Are you going to take out a bank loan of, you know, 10 grand to go to <laughs> Jurassic Park? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So I, I think... I think I would pay more than five grand. I think I might pay 10 grand, but I'm not going there. Okay. I'm not going to go for all the reasons that this movie shows us. Yeah, you would be right. Tim, (laughs) Tim, I don't know. I mean, Tim, they have tried so many times. You know how many movies there are? There's five movies. They've tried five times to do this and it always (laughs) fails. You're right. You You take in all the data you've been given and you will not go. I'm just weighing the pros and cons, and it's just not worth it. So here's right? the thing. I would I would pay a lot, but I'm not doing it. I have been to amusement parks. I have been to Disney in Orlando. I've been to Universal Studios in Orlando. I'm very afraid of things. I'm very afraid of rides. And so I feel like when I'm on those rides that those things are really happening. So I feel real terror on those rides. I feel like it wouldn't be any different than that. I would just feel real terror. If I ended up dying because a dinosaur broke out and ate me, well, that's what happened that day. The terror is real no matter where I am. So I'm going. Right. It's kind of like asking, how much would you pay to get eaten by a T-Rex? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) $10,000. But no more. Not a penny more. That's the way you want to go. You want to go so. if you if you gotta go you want to go in the belly of a T Rex. I mean, there's worse ways to go. Yeah, that's for sure. I I feel like honorable way, I guess. I have, like I said, I've been on the ride in Orlando. It feels like you're there. They're they're playing it off like you were at Jurassic Park. I mean, they are animatronics. They are real dinosaurs, but it's pretty scary. I've I've felt real fear on that ride, and uh, I want to see. The, I'm ready for the real thing. I would just trust, I'm, I would just trust that everything's going to be safe because that's what I do right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going. I knew, I knew you would be. I I'm knew you going, be. Tim. I'm there. Sign me up. Get me my ticket. Yeah. I'll be there. Yeah. I'm watching the videos from home and waiting for them to break out to come and kill me. You're right. <laughs> to get to the mainland. That's right. <laughs> come get you. Awesome. All right, Dean. Thank you for joining this week as yeah. usual. Yeah. That was a fun one. It was a fun one. I had a great time with this. Thanks for the idea, listeners. We appreciate that. Yeah. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.